everyone. My name's Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 91 of the show where we are finishing our coverage of the month of April 1965. And I may have said this recently, but I feel like we started 1965 yesterday and we're already a third of the way through it. We are like hauling fast, but I don't know if that's just because it's because of the new year and eventually when we're around June or July, it'll start stagnating and taking forever or if we're just on a better rhythm lately or something. I don't know. There's something going on. It's something love going in the on. air. I don't know. There's love. Maybe last year's coverage, we just kept taking a lot of time off, so it seemed like it wasn't going fast, even though we still release weekly all the time. So We did I don't know. lose our production lead time in 1964, yes, we did. like all of <laughs> us. 64 was a bad year for us recording-wise, but we still made it on schedule, so that worked yeah, out. Which is more than some comics could say, so, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So and making we, a podcast is a lot harder than making a comic. Everybody knows that. Yeah, yeah. We have our, our three big names, like our biggest names of the entire bullpen right now coming out after this episode, starting with the Fantastic 440. Who's Fantastic Fouring tonight, Mike? You. I am? Because I did Tales of Suspense last, I'm pretty sure. Uh, okay, well, that means I get X-Men next episode, which is going to be fun because I have a joke. You okay, do. Good. You also get Spider-Man tonight, which you'll like. I do like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I like it when the world shines favorably upon my face. Uh-huh. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> the Fantastic Four, number 40, the Battle of the Baxter Building, destined to take its place beside the Battles of Waterloo, Gettysburg, oh, and boy. Dunkirk. Boy, did I miss that the first round. Wow. That's... Jeez, that's not disrespectful or anything. Yeah, right? that's some really questionable hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, remember those people that actually died? This Dr. Doom story is going to be just like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, hiding their most desperate fight. Spellbinding script by Stan the Man Lee. Astonishing artwork by Jack King Kirby. Inked by V. Coletta, lettered by Artie Simic. So we have definitely settled into the standard um, signatures. For these mm-hmm. two, Stan the Manly and Jack King Kirby is a staple of Fantastic Four credit boxes. So, um, all right. So last time you remember, or you will if you really concentrate, the Fantastic Four had lost their powers. Oh, wait, there's a recap box. I just let Stan recap for me. Dr. Doom has taken control of the Baxter Building, headquarters of the fabulous Fantastic Four. Having lost their superpowers due to a battle with the Frightful Four, Reed and his gallant trio are aided by the sightless Daredevil as they try to launch an almost impossible counterattack against the most dangerous arch-villain of all time. You could not have done better. Good job, Stan. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay, so Dr. Doom has this like heat-seeking probe camera thing that he sends out (laughs) into uh, the city to find the Fantastic Four. But Daredevil sees it and turns his billy club into a sniper rifle. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) <laughs> and he shoots ah. down the thingy. Um, then he flies away, not flies away, like jumps away, try to find Daredevil. Meanwhile, the Fantastic Four hail a cab because, you know. That's what they can do. Yeah. Right. They're heading for the, Fanta- the the Baxter building and they go inside the lobby and Dr. Doom is sending all their own like defenses against them. Daredevil makes it up to the higher floors and starts fighting Dr. Doom, but he's got all sorts of doohickeys. So the Fantastic Four get in their um, 
elevator. They start the elevator to climb, and and the music comes on. Like do 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 do. And like, okay, well, we'll get to Doctor Doom here eventually. And um, Doctor Doom and Daredevil are still fighting. The Fantastic Four make it to the top. Um, they they make it out of the elevator just in time because it like explodes behind them when they get out of it. Um, they're I don't know, climbing stairs to get to the roof or something or to the last floor. Anyways, Reed Richards finally finds that gun from the scroll story, not the, the like the last one where they lost their powers on the planet and he re-energized them with the re-energizer gun and he uses it to re-energize all of them. And they're like, dude, if this is what you were going to do, why didn't you just do this before? He's like, oh, all that, all that, you know. Artificial power stuff, that was just a stopgap measure. I knew I was going to do this eventually. And they're like, dude! Anyways, so they're all powerful again. They fight the Fantastic Four. I'm sorry, the Fantastic Four fight Doctor Doom. Um, but he manages to turn on ice tiles in the floor to turn all the Fantastic Four into snowmen. Um, and the only person who has not been shot by the power energizer beam at this point is Ben Grimm. And Reed Richards is like... I don't have a choice, Ben. You have to stop Dr. Doom. And Ben's like, dude, 40 issues. You've been trying to get me human again. Now I'm human. Don't shoot that thing. Don't, don't read. Don't you do. Oh. And he gets shot by Reed Richards to turn to the thing again. And now he is one P.O.'d orange rock guy. He goes after Dr. Doom and there proceeds like five pages of awesome thing on Doom action. Which, um, fight, yes, yes, the thing (laughs) wins. He pins Dr. Doom against the wall and crumples his armor. And he's about to start crumpling the man inside when they're like, Ben, you can't do it. We're not murderers. This is a kid's comic. And Ben's like, Whatever, you made me orange again. I quit. And Dr. Doom staggers off, and Ben staggers off. And it's the end of the story. Yeah, pretty fun. This was this was a stellar stellar comic book. You were definitely hitting like a good Fantastic Four pace now. Ever since the Frightful Four showed up, like all of a sudden, right? It's a really good magazine to read. Ever since Revenge of the Strange Tales, <laughs> right? Um, yeah. So also, I feel like this is the first story we're going into with a fully established Doctor Doom. He has his Latvian home. He has mm-hmm. his arrogant superiority to Reed's intelligence. Everything I think of with Doctor Doom has been established by this point. It, yeah. took, her, it took a long time to get here because Latveria was the last time we saw him before last issue. And yeah. the Reed's intelligence thing was you know, a really slow burn, but he definitely harps on it here. Well, and we also have established why he doesn't like Reed now. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think his initial run, it was Reed was like, oh, I remember that guy who blew up. And now yeah. it's like, oh, there's more to that story. I tried to fix his code and he didn't believe me. And then he blew up. So he hates me now because somehow right. I was right. I hate which when is weird. people is right. Yeah, I hate when that guy's right. I blew up because I didn't listen. So it's his fault. Um, Daredevil's guest spot okay. in this continues to shine. First of all, it's great. I loved the fight with him and Doom because you kind of feel like there's no way he's going to beat Doom, but he sure held him at bay for as long as he could, which was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. I like when a, I like when a hero can't win but fights anyway. That's always a good drama beat. But uh, they really need to lay off the whole like his his Billy Club can do everything thing because it's getting a bit absurd. Yeah. With his fingers moving almost faster than the human eye can allow, the man without fear makes a lightning-like adjustment on his ever-present billy club. Um, he John. pops out a stock 
and a trigger I was just gonna and a say, scope. I was going to say, John, he pops out a scope. A scope. And he's, he's blind. Oh, Why does my he need a scope? Holy... <laughs> That's my favorite part. They make a point of him raising the scope so that he can look through it when he fires. And it's like, dude, he can't see. And he's he's sighting down it. Mm-hmm. He's sighting down the scope. A man with normal vision might miss such a small speeding object, but my radar sense can track it as glaringly as a hunter missile. Then why are you using the scope? Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. You're so right. Jack Kirby, he did not get the memo. Yeah. In fact, like Daredevil shouldn't even be looking in the same direction as he's firing. That would have been cooler. Actually, yeah. It would have been a totally cool shot if he's just like standing there looking off at, I don't know, the the jumbotrons of Times Square. And he just like fires wherever it is because his radar sense. Yeah. Fires from behind or fires behind him or something like that. Just right. Catch the thing. Anyway, I just thought that was humorous, but I'm also like, I think the last Daredevil we read was Stiltman. They were really trying to like gizmo up his club. And it's like, yeah, some of those ideas were cool, but I also feel like they always go too far and then they kind of rein back with these gadgets and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, like when Green Goblin first came out, he had like, what was those weird ghosty All things? All those other and bombs stuff. he had. And now it's the like, you know, smoke and the frog. Yeah. It's like, you know what's really cool? Not the frog. How about we just stick with the pumpkins? And then how about with the billy club, we just stick with like a rope coming out? Wouldn't that be smarter? Yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. So. Well, I guess I guess it's that. a matter of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Page six during the Daredevil Doctor Doom fight. Um, Doctor Doom uses a remote control to have this little ship fly at Daredevil. Now, I am not surprised that Reed Richards made a miniaturized ship with a functioning fuel-based engine. And mm-hmm. I'm not surprised he installed a remote control to fly it around. I am amused, however, that he gave it a launch bay in the baseboards of this room. <laughs> I should well, go put it in here. So, uh, Reed, Reed, what are you doing, honey? I'm just, I'm just drilling up the baseboards. No big deal. I'm going to put a ship in here. In case I want to clip somebody's ankles later. <laughs> uh, this whole, like, defense... It might have been cool if at some point he also installed something that was like, you know, if I just give them, if I give this particular dashboard my fingerprint, all this stuff turns off. Yeah. But then again, Doom probably could have overwrought that anyway, overwritten that anyway, but. Some biometrics of some sort. I don't know. Yeah, Dr. Doom's not real big on fingerprints. That's true. He's not. Or eyeballs or whatever. So. I think I guess he, has he does eyeballs. have eyeballs. He does have eyeballs, but. Yeah. Um, they're falling out of the elevator. It's a heck of a note when the thing needs somebody's help to bust out of one measly door. Reese says, shut up and keep moving. This is no joke. Hurry. And I'm just uh-huh. like, dude, um, rude. Reed is often rude, especially to Ben for some reason. I don't know. I feel like he is. I feel like he shouts at him a lot. I don't know why. Somebody tweeted, some comic square tweeted recently that Reed Richards is a nice person. And I'm just like, Kurt Busiek. It was a Kurt Busiek who said that. It's like, if, if you're, Kurt- if you're drawing him as a mean person, you're doing it wrong. Yes, he basically was like, he's basically like, Reed Richards is a hero and a nice person, and uh, if you're writing him otherwise, you're writing him wrong. And a lot of people were like, well, then he's been written wrong a lot. So at what point do you take that as the fact versus the intention? You know what I mean? Reed Richards is always a nice guy, except for all the times that he's not. If 99 out of 100 issues, he's not a nice guy, then shouldn't we take away, should the takeaway be that he's not a nice guy? I don't know. It sounds like an abusive relationship. Yeah. Like, Like... my significant other is always, you know, mean to me, but I, I you know, really cherish the times that they're not. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I stay with them. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so on page nine, he Doctor Doom grabs Daredevil's hands, uh-huh. and like I'm not sure exactly what he's doing there. Daredevil's like really like sore hands later, but my brain first interpreted it as breaking his fingers. Well, he's super strong, so he says something like, "It's like being held by a bulldozer." Yeah. So you, you imagine his wrists are being crushed or something. I mean, obviously it doesn't doesn't uh, cripple him because later he recovers, but mm-hmm. it must have hurt. Must have hurt. Knocked him to his knees anyway. All right. So last time we were reading the scroll story and they mm-hmm. had the gun at the beginning and they took mm-hmm. out the gun at the end. You're like, okay, I saw that coming. Did you see it coming this time, smart boy? No. Okay. Totally forgot about it. Oof. But it, on the one hand, it's cool that they, uh, you know, make a nod to something that already existed, even though it was kind of a stupid thing. And they yeah. might as well just use it again. Because Reed usually makes a whole new what's this every time he needs one. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the whole losing powers and gaining them back again, it's like, I don't know, I want more follow-up. Because it's like, if you just figured out you could turn Ben or the thing in back into Ben with a nuclear blast, why don't you just do that again? Or maybe you can press reverse on the stimulator thing and suck yeah. the power back out or something. If you, if can, you can turn Ben back into the thing, why can't you do the reverse? Yeah. Or something. But they probably won't talk about it. So that's the part that's frustrating about these issues is like he has the ability to magically restore everything but not undo it. Do you think he told anybody that all of those artificial power constructs were just temporary? Do you think he mentioned it to a single soul? Do you think Stanley knew that until this issue? No. No. Like like Uh in-universe. When Reed is making Johnny put on the green suit – and he's making Sue wear whatever she wears to turn invisible. And he's making Ben Grimm drive the Atari joystick thing robot around. Do you think he ever said, don't worry, this is only temporary. So as we can get back in the Baxter building, I've got that no. re-energizer gun. No, because he always keeps his plans to himself because he's not a nice guy. Not a nice guy. I think that's that. we should focus on this now. Now that Kurt Busiek outed it and stuff, we should actually... I mean, so far, your impression of Reed Richards after 40 issues. Is he a nice guy? No, know. he's not a nice guy. No, not he really. Mean, huh? He means well. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's ultimately not, not a the good same guy. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy, not a nice guy. Right. And he's often misogynistic. So, you know, there's that Well, <laughs> everybody's misogynistic, but yeah. Uh, yeah, he just seems like he withholds lots of information and he gets really cranky when they don't do exactly what he says. And, uh, 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 you know, he's off, often very obtuse about what's going on around him. So that doesn't seem nice. I don't know. No, no. Um, I was totally taken aback by him telling Ben he had no choice. Mm, You have to change. You have no choice. Dramatic moment. What would have made that (coughs) even more horrible is if last issue we got that beat we wanted of Ben being so happy to be Ben again, Mm -hmm. which we we didn't get. But I do like that they address it here that he wants to stay human. Um, And what a great set of panels on page 14 when like he hulks out becomes thing oh, again yeah 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 I mean, yeah yeah they even give him an expression on his face like he's just so upset right now <laughs> that he has and to be the thing again interestingly he does direct his anger at dr doom he says it's because of you that i'm the thing again so like he buys reed's explanation which maybe says something about their friendship that uh-huh. he feels like reed is actually justified in this uh-huh. but still he is yeah. not not happy. Well, at that moment, he buys it, which is good because he takes out his frustration and anger on Dr. Doom and wins. But then, of course, in the end, he's like, 
but I also don't like you guys anymore and I'm leaving. So yeah, uh, maybe a little bit of both. Well, it's kind of like, um, remember, he's still the ruler of Latveria. As such, he has diplomatic immunity. But mm. by defeating him so conclusively, you've broken his pride. And I'm just thinking, if you made me into a monster again, it better be more. From, I better be able to break more than just his pride. You know, like that's what Ben is probably thinking right there. I need a lawyer who uh, deals with diplomatic immunity to write in and tell us exactly how that works. Because it always seems like kind of hogwash to me, like that they can just go around killing people with Uzis and then say diplomatic immunity and right. walk away. Is there paperwork for that? Or do you just like, like he, bring your crown yeah. with you through security and you had diplomatic immunity? Like he just attacked and endangered New York. There were policemen out there like like sectioning off the streets so that he couldn't kill more people. But he can just walk away like no issues whatsoever. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Reed Richards. Dr. Doom was not in the Baxter building when Reed made them start putting on their artificial powers. They had access to their old building. So I couldn't remember if they were actually ever there because they were playing. They, they met Daredevil at a warehouse and they were on a boat at some point. When he started the whole thing. Why did they go to the warehouse instead of the Baxter building? I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Like, was there a re- I don't know. Maybe that's why he didn't get the the stimulator, because they never went to the Baxter building. But they did, didn't they? But, like, why if, – if the if the gun was always the plan, <laughs> then why didn't they go get the gun? I don't know. All, why- obviously, the answer is because they didn't have the resolution planned when they wrote the script for 39. But in story, why didn't they do that? Okay, so for the remainder of the voyage, little is said among the four. Oh, there's So they return to Reed's world-famous lab. So they are in the lab. So I'm looking at last issue. They, they figure out they don't have powers on the boat. They freak out. And it cuts to him in the lab creating these things for them. So this is the Baxter building. And then for some reason... I want to see if there's a reason. Um, now they're in this warehouse, and they call Daredevil, and they're practicing their powers. Maybe because they were just trying to practice them without destroying their place. Like, they went to this, you know, you know that classic uh, superhero trope where you go out to a construction yard and break right. things and stuff? Maybe that's right. why they did it. Well, I remember whenever I got here, I was focused on the continuity because um, the Frightful Four, during that Daredevil issue, they swing back by in their ship to see if anyone's at the Baxter building and they find that it's still empty after having blown them up last month. And so uh-huh. I was kind of focused on that continuity bit to see if it all matched up right. Whenever I was doing this, I didn't think about the fact that they actually did go back to the Baxter building and then they left it again to go to the warehouse. So I guess you could say that they're training because there's like stuff they're doing, like trying to work the yep. robot and bend things and break walls and stuff. So maybe they went somewhere to break stuff. But even still, that doesn't explain why he doesn't just tell them, oh, in about 30 more minutes, though, that stimulator is going to be charged and I can just fix this at that point. Yeah, here's here's my random thought to maybe explain it. Mm-hmm. Reed just wanted to see if he could. <laughs> yeah? Could, could he make the Fantastic Four happen without their powers? He They lose their powers, so he gets like a scientist's idea in his head of testing a hypothesis okay we don't have our powers now i know i can turn the back on with the stimulator but what if i couldn't what if the stimulator were broken or we lost it would we be able to be the fantastic four again okay so i'm not going to tell them anything is that when i get them frustrated we're just gonna we're gonna try to make do with artificial powers for a while yeah oh hey guess what kids reed is (laughs) not not nice a nice guy I guess we'll find out <laughs> if Kurt Busiek listens to our show. Uh, shall we go to the Avengers? 
let's go on to the Avengers. Cool issue, though. Other than that weird little bit of easy solving uh, the problem. I like the fights with Thing and Doctor Doom. I like the fight with Daredevil and Doctor Doom. I like that Doctor Doom came back with a two-part vengeance. That was all mm-hmm. fun. Anyway, Avengers 17, speaking of not Doctor Doom, four against the Minotaur. Ouch. This is it. The search for the Hulk. Without the raw power of Iron Man, Thor, or Giant Man, pfft, Giant Man, how can the Valiant Avengers hope to stop the Minotaur? So, if you recall, kids, we have a new Avengers lineup. A first new lineup of a team for our show, actually, really. Yep. Um, it's called, uh, I already said, Four Against the Minotaur. Will the new Avengers succeed in their search for the Hulk? Story by Stan Lee. Who else? Art by Don Heck. Why not? Inked by Dick Ayers. Lettered by S. Rosen. So, it starts with everybody standing around being upset, basically. <laughs> so, we got... Welcome Ka- to the Ka- Caps Kirky Quartet era. <laughs> Welcome to the new theme for the Avengers, yes. Uh, Cap's trying to boss people around. Rick is thinking, like, it's really annoying that they made these people with powers full-fledged Avengers, but me, who has no powers, I should be an Avenger, too. Just and like the Wasp. <laughs> just like the Wasp. <laughs> and Scarlet Witch is like, we should listen to Cap. And Quicksilver's like, well, I'll listen for now, but I'm going to be a leader pretty soon. And Hawkeye's like, why should we listen to this old man? I know everything. Um, anyway, he talks about how the first mission is going to be, we should find the Hulk. And... Hulk, Hawkeye's like, I think we should vote for leader first. And he's like, shut up, you. And which is like, he's Cap's kind of cute, so we should just listen to him. Anyway, it cuts to uh, – no, it doesn't cut. Throughout this whole thing, actually, it's kind of cool what they did. I'll just say this out loud so I don't have to say it again. But they sort of like uh, smash this story with the stuff going on in Astonish 69 that we just covered where the leader captures the Hulk. So like – Throughout this whole story, they're so close to the Hulk, but they just never realize it. And every once in a while, it'll show a panel of what's going on with the Hulk that we already read. So, kind of cool. So, anyway, while they're thinking about capturing the Hulk or finding the Hulk again, he's being captured by the leader. Uh, Cap takes him to a danger room of sorts, first Avengers danger room that I can think of, and tries to get them to show off their powers. Hawkeye tries to show off, but he almost... And he does, you know, hit something with his arrow, but then something else tries to shoot at him and Quicksilver has to escape or, you know, rescue him. So then the two of them show off. Then all of a sudden this big giant honking green robot smashes through the wall and Cap's like, well, that's not part of the program. So he rushes into action and starts taking it on all by himself, much to the, uh, you know, uh, uh, admiration of both Hawkeye and Quicksilver. Scarlet Witch finally uses her hexy stuff to get like the back panel to open and then her brother you know, uses this, his speed to, like, pull the door open, and then Hawkeye shoots it, and it blows it up. And uh, the robot, as it's dying, says, you'll find Hulk in desert, desert, desert. And then they're like, oh, well, let's go to the desert and find the Hulk. Turns out, though, the robot, meanwhile, is being was sent there by the Mole Man. Great. Um, I missed him so much. Yeah, I really missed him from the last Avengers appearance. That was so wonderful. He uh, he thinks that they're he somehow heard about their new lineup. I mean, somehow because they went on the news. So I guess that's how. And uh, he thinks they're like super weak sauce now. And he should have been able to take him with that robot. And he's kind of flabbergasted that like they beat it. Um, but he's still going to lure them to the desert. And he rubs his evil hands together. They go to the desert in their brand new model jet stream cruiser, which really looks crazy. Um and when they get there, the mole man like 
pushes a lever and they fall in a hole. And guess what, guys? Nobody on this roster can fly anymore. So that's a new thing they have to figure out. But luckily, Hawkeye has suction cup arrow thing and they all grab onto the thing and they make it down and Quicksilver's like okay I'll rush ahead because I'm fast and Cap's like wait don't and he rushes ahead but then he comes back and goes oh my god it's the worst most horrible thing I've ever seen and around the corner is the Minotaur and it's like this big giant hairy thing with horns and a diaper and it throws you know rock and stuff at it Cap tries to beat it with his shield but it doesn't work Hawkeye tries to beat it with gas arrow and it doesn't work um, eventually the thing like claws at the wall because they're like in this cave and the rocks come down and separate Hawkeye, Cap, and Scarlet Witch from Quicksilver. Uh, meanwhile, all this is happening again. Like I said, the Hulk stuff is happening like a mile away and they're showing us that too just for fun. Um, but Quicksilver's trying to get back to his team when the Moloids attack him. He does his best to, you know, beat him up, but they gas him. They take him to uh, the Mole Man, and he's like, I'm going to learn the secret of your power. That's what this entire plan has been, is I I want your speed power. He's like, well, I don't know the secret of my power. I just have it. He's like, well, we'll find out. Uh, meanwhile, it cuts back to the other Avengers. They're still fighting the Minotaur. Um, but Cap comes up with an idea to, like, uh, have Hawkeye blind him, and then Cap throws his shield at a rock formation above, and the rocks fall on the Minotaur, and they pin him down and make him stuck. So they didn't really defeat him, but they made him immobile, and then they're, like, just high-fiving each other going, and he'll starve to death. Um, (laughs) So they leave him there to die, essentially. Meanwhile, we cut back to Quicksilver, who's rigged on this machine and mole man is determined to like rip him apart with laser and try and figure out his source of his speed but the other three avengers pop in and they free him and they get into a fight and the mole man's like man i didn't anticipate these guys being as powerful as they are i thought they'd be lame so i only had like three moloids around to guard me and that's not enough so they need to go so he presses a button and like this petri dish human-sized petri dish comes up and like puts a lint on him and shoots him up to the surface and spits him out essentially he's just like leave my house eject watcher style so they're like okay well that was uneventful but at least we can prove that we can handle anything if we work together as a team and they get in their cool alien yellow thing and fly away meanwhile we see that uh you know like we already knew that bruce banner is now dead so they're never going to find the hulk they never do find the hulk um Ever. And they're like, that's our first setback. The end. So this was just to say, by the way, the new Avengers are still cool. Look, they're strong. It reminded me of those early Tales of Suspense cap stories where it's like, let's just show that he's cool and tough, you know? Yeah. Like, well, let's fight the weakest Avenger. And then it turns out he's not weak. Oh, my gosh. I did not anticipate him not being loser. Yeah. I mean, sure, he went through World War II and stuff, but he probably sucks, right? I mean, yeah, Captain America sucks. Um, yeah, it was okay. I liked the friction, though. I found it a little off-putting in a way that it was happening so quickly. Like, I think there should have been more stories that earned Cap being hated by these two guys. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Something. Because, <laughs> like, last issue, they're both begging to be on the Avengers. And now immediately they're like, you're stupid. We don't want to follow okay. you. So I'm just imagining, just like randomly, they want to be on the Avengers, and Iron Man's there, and Giant Man's there, and greet them, and yeah, the Avengers, awesome! Captain America and Rick show up, like, okay, yeah, Avengers, all right. And then Iron Man and Giant Man leave. (laughs) Oh, well, that could be why. And Thor never showed up to begin with, and they're just like, wait, 
What? I thought we were going to be okay. on the Avengers. I like that headcanon. That works. So it's like now they are the Avengers and there's no other cool Avengers. Right. So they're no longer part of a cool team. They just like are the team and they think that they could be as good as any other Johnny come lately. Yeah. Um, do you think since you're like the Scarlet Witch guy, do you think she's attracted to him? I felt like she was sort of, but they don't really like come out and say like, Oh boy, yeah. he's hot. I feel like that's kind of what they're doing. She's sort of doing the whole little like, you know, pose while she's looking at him and mm-hmm. you know, he's strong. He should be the leader. Mm-hmm. So, and it's like in the context, everyone else wanted to be a leader. So we like get her justification for not wanting to take over as leader is because Captain America is strong. And at, on the one hand, that's kind of simplistic. Uh-huh. I was thinking about how Scarlet Witch's sexuality has been treated throughout the course of the, her story so far. Uh-huh. And we had Mastermind and mm-hmm. we had Namor mm-hmm. and we had Magneto. And this is the first like sexual agency she's had the entire mm-hmm. time. So as long as it doesn't become a note like all the time, um, I'm kind of here for it, you know, for an occasional thing. I know that she and Cap are not going to get together. What's more bothersome though is Hawkeye. And how much he's like all over her several times through this issue. It's mostly this one panel of her with her hand on a hip thinking, Captain America is no weakling. I shall enjoy being an Avenger. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, where she's sort of like Ooh. looking at him. That's okay. You know, the, physic, the, the, the spe- physical specimen of perfection should be attractive sometimes. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're going to drool over an Avenger, why not make it Chris Evans? Because, I mean... right. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He doesn't, Cap doesn't usually get the, you know, the people wanting sex from him thing. So it's kind of fun to see that a little bit here. But yeah. Uh, and the ultimate, he was a fuddy duddy, right? Well, yeah. He hooks up with Wasp, but and he's also like a, abusive and weird too in, in his own controlling way. But oh, yeah. Ultimate Cap is, I mean, he's not he's abusive not. to her, but he doesn't like when she looks at anybody and he ultimately beats up giant man for talking to her. And yeah, he's, mm-hmm. he's a weird protective insecure dude. But yeah. He's not a, not a nice guy. No, uh, he and Reed Richards would get along. Um, <laughs> yeah. They uh, say that they just took the tour of the underground fortress and I'm like, okay, we have an underground fortress. Does this yeah. mean that all of the Avengers stuff is actually underneath this mansion? Well, that might explain how maybe Tony still lives there as like a normal mansion while they have all this stuff downstairs. Yeah. We've certainly never seen it before, and we've never seen them train all the X-Men before. Dude, I was just listening to our newest episode today, and we're talking Mm -hmm. about the whole Tony living there thing. And I hadn't even thought about the fact that if this is Tony's house, Mm -hmm. he's not even an Avenger anymore. No, but they do talk about that in here. They say like his wealth is still providing... Avengers okay, support. so he doesn't live there anymore. He's just still funding and giving them. Or the he might. I don't know if he lives there. But can you imagine like Tony start coming and going through the bedroom upstairs while they're having like Cap's Kooky Quartet adventures? See, I don't think I don't know if he lives there because remember the issues where they thought he was missing and then Happy finds him in a bed and then the Mandarin shoots his mansion with a missile. Yeah, and kills him. Like, was that Avengers Mansion? That didn't seem like Avengers Mansion. No, so I think the details of the scripting are inconsistent. But at the end of the day, he does not live. At Avengers Mansion. Yeah, I think that makes more sense. He owns it. He can stay there maybe overnight because it's his residence. He's rented out his butler to them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think we can put a pin in that one. Just say that he, whatever, whatever the script says occasionally, it's not actually his permanent life. Um, Rick Jones walks out of that first scene and never comes back. Rick's. Rick's desire to be an Avenger seems awfully bonkers to me. Like, why does he think 
that's a great idea. But he's also a kid, so whatever. And then they say they need to go after the Hulk. And I feel like Rick sort of makes his choice. Do they, do they say that in front of him? Because um, he doesn't really pipe up about that if they do. No, he just, like, like I mean, he's he has that little conversation with Cap at the bottom of the oh, page. And then, yeah. Yeah, and page then he two. never shows up again. Page two, he says, our first mission is to find the Hulk. And Rick's standing right there. And he doesn't say anything like, um, oh, you mean my best friend? Yeah. Yeah, nothing. So Cap leans over, says, they're hot-headed, ambitious. I hope I can handle them, Rick. And Rick's like, you'll do fine, Cap. Bye. Peace out. I'll see you. I'll see you in Captain America number one hundred and eight. Yeah, Bucky. it's like one last word of support to Cap. He sees them off on their mission, then goes off to be with Bruce. Yeah. Um, okay. So just just before we kind of move on from that, um, I don't remember if I've talked about this before, but I remember somehow reading the Avengers, the early issues, and reading Rick Jones being there and him wanting to be Cap's partner, and knowing that Rick was you know, labeled as the second Bucky. I just had it in my head that he was going to be with Cap for a while. Mm-hmm. And he's not. He leaves here and the Captain America Rick Jones Association is essentially never revisited. Mm-hmm. He, he puts on the Bucky outfit for like one night of story time. And then immediately from there, he goes off to be Captain Marvel. Yeah. And yet... So many issues of Rick Jones claiming that Cap has trained him, and that's why he can kung fu people. So, yeah. But we can assume that off-panel that did happen, because there were a lot of Avengers, early Avengers, where, like, that's what Cap was doing with his off-time, is hanging out with the brigade. and The teen brigade, presum- and showing them how to, like, you know, somersault yeah, and stuff. Yeah, it's presumably not just, like, showing off, but also teaching them how to do things. So maybe that's where that all comes from. But it's not nearly as prevalent as, as they make it out to be in future no. issues. So he goes from being a Hulk character to being an Avengers character when there is no Hulk stories back to being a Hulk character in the Hulk stories. Yeah, he's always like billed as like the professional Marvel sidekick. And I guess in that sense, yes, he technically was Cap's sidekick. He, I don't think he's really been Cap's sidekick so far. I wouldn't call it his sidekick. If I mean, he might be the Avengers sidekick. Yeah, he's more like the snapper car of the JLA, you know, like, right. like he's just around. If Snapper Carr had one particular leaguer that he tended to glom onto, but still was just the general league mascot. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's weird is Cap says, I showed you the underground fortress. And then on page four, they go to a different underground fortress. He's like, okay, this is our um, place where we have Avengers stuff. Oh, that's not all part of the same thing. I don't know. I couldn't I tell know. really. It's it looks like, like he just went through this a, yellow door. Yeah. It goes and shows them something new. And it's like, well, if this is, not what you just showed them. What did you show them before? Yeah, just more underground stuff. I don't know. This training room isn't super inspired either. Like, I don't think they stick with this design for very long. But my my general impression in my head is that the Avengers quarters are now this like nebulous, vast, electronic-y looking space, mm-hmm. and that's just where the Avengers have their headquarters now. So it's adjacent to or underneath Stark's mansion somehow. It reminds me of, like, did you ever watch those the Earth's Mightiest cartoon and stuff like that? Like, yeah. I mean, I haven't they, seen it since it was on, but I, we yeah. loved it. So, but their living conditions were the cushy mansion, but then, like, it seemed like there was an underground for science stuff and training stuff and fighting stuff. So, that could work. Okay. I don't I'll know. It. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see more as they as we keep going, where they actually lay up. Like, maybe we'll actually see a bedroom at some point or something. So, they want to go find the Hulk... Mm-hmm. And this robot shows up for literally no reason, saying, I have, a, I have a message from my master. 
And the message is where to find the Hulk. And it's just like, how did that, how did that coincidence happen? Also, whenever the robot fell over, was he seeing it? You'll find Hulk in the desert, desert, <laughs> desert, A, A, A. <laughs> well, Mole Man actually says he thought the robot would destroy them. So the mission of the robot was to beat up the Avengers. And it didn't work. So then his backup plan was to lead them to him, I guess. But the, the first ro- thing he says is, I bring a message from my master. It concerns the Hulk. That's true. So that was a little wonky. You could argue that maybe like the robot overheard them talking about the Hulk or something because it was got super senses or something like that. But maybe it's still a weird thing. And I don't really get Mole Man's entire purpose in this issue. Like, why does he want Quicksilver specifically? Uh, I don't know. It's just once again, the Mole Man is just so like undefined and weird and like, who cares? Shrug. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he is he is weird in this. I do not understand what his motivation is. And we just had him, didn't we? Like two or three issues ago or something? Yeah, 14, I think. It was 14. Yeah, it's like, don't come back already. I'm not ready for you. Um, page nine, we get a new Quinjet that's not a Quinjet. Um, doesn't really have an Avengers feel to me, but it's definitely not just a standard plane. It's like a weird alien yellow thing. Yeah. So uh, The newest model jet stream cruiser. Jetstream cruiser, so still pre-Quinjet, but we're we're coming up with different ideas besides just a helicopter that you can buy. Um, I I do kind of like whenever Quicksilver does the scan, and they're like, "Is it possible you missed him?" And, and Wanda's like, "My brother misses nothing, Captain America." Yeah, he's just like, "Okay, so if he says he searched ten miles, Wanda's like, yeah, he searched those ten miles." Mm-hmm. I also so I like know, that is, they is, is it arrogance if it's true? I also like that they have no flyers, like because I didn't really think about that. Where all we're talking about is their strength and stuff. But now, this is also awfully relevant as they're falling into a pit. Like, before, Iron Man and Thor could have caught some people. Wasp would have flown. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nobody here flies. Although, I assume at some point, Wanda learns how to fly, right? I thought she could fly. But maybe she can't fly. I don't know. I don't know if Wanda flies. Quicksilver does learn how to, like, like zoom into the air for short distances. My favorite part of that scene is, though, that it was Cap's idea to use a trick arrow. And Hawkeye's like, oh, yeah, this is my bag, and I didn't think of it. <laughs> I've got I've got these whole things with me. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, so much for... <laughs> I forgot you. how to Avenger for a second there. <laughs> So much for you, Hawkeye. You can't even, like, use your own stuff faster than Cap can. But anyway, uh, Minotaur, um, really lame. And you were told you totally called it. That mm. swipe action with the white lines totally looks like a diaper on this monster. Oh, that's not a diaper, is it? No, it's it's action art. So he's just naked. He is they, a naked minotaur. And they like just strategically place ARGs and thought balloons and stuff around his crotch area. Right. Yeah, you don't it see did look like a diaper. Head. Wow, I thought that was a diaper. But he's just kind of... That's not even how I really picture a minotaur. And why is a rare minotaur? What does that have to do with the mole man? And whatever. I don't know. Yeah, and it's not even... A minotaur, the most dreaded creature of Greek mythology. That must be the apparition which inspired the ancient legends. Really? In the American desert? In Nevada or Arizona or wherever we are? Right. That's what inspired the Greek legends from 3,000 years? No. Also, he does not look like he has a bull head. Mm -mm. I mean, that's just horns on a monster face. And honestly, the monster face looks like a Muppet. Yeah, it does. This, This could be on Avenue Q. Yeah. Although with the Mole Man, it seems like he can travel from one part of the universe to another in five seconds. So maybe this Minotaur can do that, too. I think underground is just like a mystic portal. Yeah, You go underground be. and you can come back up anywhere. 
Yeah. So what do you, do you think it's just cheating because it's filling panels or did you enjoy this bit where like they kept cutting to the Hulk story that we already read? I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of cool. I thought it was one of the more interesting parts of the issue. This issue is not great. Uh But like showing that the Hulk stuff is going on simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Also, they honestly, they may be trying to drum up Hulk attention. Yeah. And also Um, it just sets the story in, in a very specific continuity with that story. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, time, time and frame, they, I mean. They, they emphasize over and over again, they're underground literally two golf holes away from where the Hulk is. Mm. I mean, they're they're right next to him. They're just not quite there. So having them go after the Hulk, maybe they felt that teasing the Hulk so much, they kind of had to put him in the issue. But for whatever reason, I, I do like it there. Yeah. And I'm glad they don't find him because adding the Hulk to the Avengers is a horrible idea. But mm-hmm. they should remember that, you would think. Scarlet Witch's power is used a few times in this, not nearly as much as everybody else's, but it does seem to be just destruction, random destruction when she uses it. Well, Scarlet Witch's powers to me have always been weird and unusual, and Mm -hmm. I've never been able to nail down exactly what they are. But when she says hex, that seems to me like if she concentrates on something, if something can go wrong with it, it will. Like that's what a hex power is. So it makes sense that like the few times she did anything just caused destruction because... That's what how it works, right? I don't know. It reminds me of the idea of potential energy from science class. Like potential mm. energy is what could happen if something changed and mm-hmm. it gets turned. Like like if a ball is sitting up on a platform, the potential energy is like what it would fall with if that platform weren't there. Move the platform and it falls, and that's kinetic energy. So the potential energy is just like okay, this is what could happen, and Scarlet Witch is able to pull that out somehow. I don't know. I feel like they don't quite get what she can do, and I think that's probably consistent throughout her life as a character <laughs> in some ways, like people don't really quite get what she does, but she and then becomes writers. Like she has chaos magic. Yeah. And then Bendis is like, that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. And then, so like she just becomes more and more powerful, but still nobody really gets what she can do, including the reader. And that's okay. Looking back at the lines that mole man says to Quicksilver, it's almost like he's had like a random idea. Mm-hmm. Um, like now that he's caught Quicksilver, he's like, Oh, you know what? I have you. I want the secret of your speed and I can make you talk. I don't okay. know that that was actually his ultimate goal. I think it's just like something he's okay. trying to do now that he has them. Well, that's possible. So maybe his ultimate goal was just to kill these new weak, new, new weak Avengers by bringing him here in the first place. Mm-hmm. Cause he does say and that Qu- 500 times. And Quicksilver is so salty to him. Mm-hmm. There once was a man named Magneto. I thought he spoke like an old time movie villain. You can't do even him. It cannot be as unbearable as the sound of your own droning voice. Do your worst, madman. But Quicksilver's buying into the Ventures thing already. Mm-hmm. Um, faster than Cap almost. And Cap's bought into it. He's drank the Kool-Aid like since Avengers 4, right? Well, it was red, white, and blue Kool-Aid. What do you expect him to do? <laughs> right. And he had no other place to go. So it kind of made sense that he was so earnest about being an Avenger. But like uh, Quicksilver's doing it too. Like you, you can torture me all you want, but I'm an Avenger, and I will never give up anything, and you will never be defeat us because we are the Avengers. He actually had a line like this in issue 16 because I wrote it down. I was going to comment on it. I don't think I did a comment on it. He's like, I've not been an Avenger long. I shall do nothing to disgrace their glorious tradition. Yeah. He said something about that, about like you know upholding the Avengers' name and reputation and tradition. And it's just like, wow, okay, that's kind of um, it. I makes sense that- because. He also re- refused to join the X-Men, and then later it was his idea to join the Avengers. So he must like them. Yeah, and then that's kind of fulfilled on page 19. It's super cute. Pietro, we did it. Under Cap's leadership, we defeated the Minotaur, and we found you. It's to mm-hmm. be expected, my sister. We're Avengers now. She's like, oh. And then they make out. And then they make out. 
that that panel looked awfully romantic to me, but maybe it's just yeah. you know weird position. I don't know. It's just it's just a little bit too closely you're used to. It. Yeah, it, it, I'm sure it's completely platonic. Yeah, um, unless you're Mark Miller. This isn't the Ultimates. Yeah. Um, and then all for nothing because they just get ejected out in the end, whatever. But yeah, it's it was like I enjoyed the issue in the sense that we're getting a new team, so that made me want to turn the pages. But I gotta mm-hmm. say. Not the greatest showing so far. I'm looking forward to a more interesting villain and motivation. Um, yeah. And, you know, having Bruce dead there at the end definitely teases the Incredible Hulk's events. So you might want to go buy the next issue of Astonish. Mm-hmm. Oh, Schnikes, you know what, though? The next issue of Astonish has Submariner in it. Oh. They're not only selling the Hulk, they're selling the Submariner because he's in the next issue. Oh. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Um, okay, I did have a few thoughts about some of the historical import of what Avengers is doing with this roster change. Do you mind if I drone for a second? Sure. So, historically, going back to titles like World's Best Comics, All-Star Comics, Leading Comics, All-Winners Comics, you've got these notion of these books that take the most popular characters of the company and give them another place to feature. So, a book that hopefully people will buy because it includes all the best aspects of several different other titles. Maybe you don't like everything in Flash comics, but Flash is also over here in All-Star comics. If you like Flash, you'll buy this one too. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then this metamorphosed into the team book, you know, pretty early because All-Star comics turned into the Justice Society of America and then that inspired other team comics, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, Justice League of America, of course, in 1959, 1960, was patterned after the same vein. It's why the Fantastic Four was a little unusual. But if you remember that first issue's cover copy, makes it sound like this is four known characters coming together as a team. Right. It's styled to play into that idea of other characters from other books coming together as one place. Um so the Avengers goes back to that old idea of bringing your popular characters from other titles together into another book that hopefully, you know, all the Iron Man fans will also buy the Avengers. All the Thor fans will also buy the Avengers. Mm-hmm. But they change that here. Yeah. Issues 16 and 17, you now have four characters who don't have their own titles. Mm-hmm. They're making a deliberate editorial choice to limit the previous Avengers to their own solo books and make a team out of characters who just don't exist elsewhere. Even even Captain America, his solo adventures are in World War II right now. Oh, he good doesn't point. have present day solo stories. Now, do you, um, do you think they're doing that because it's a pain in the butt to coordinate solo titles and Avengers titles? Whereas see, I thought about that too. Because Fantastic have this Four and X Men, they don't have to right do that. Now. I'm sorry, what? Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you have this this uh, this ongoing saga in Thor. Uh-huh. And like there were a couple of months there where he was in this ongoing saga in his book, but he mm-hmm. was also the Avengers and they had to write him out mm-hmm. to give him room to go have that adventure. So yeah, maybe there might be some editorial, you know, conflict going on there. Yeah. And I imagine, I mean, all right now everything's stand, 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 but like in the future when we have lots of writers, I imagine it's probably more fun if you're writing a team book to have to write the characters that are only in your book versus having to coordinate. Mm-hmm. With you know what's what's so and so's plan for Iron Man and Iron Man's book? How do I handle that in the team book? Whereas you know, oh, but I also have Tigra. I'm going to just really pour a lot of angst into Tigra because no one else is playing with Tigra but me. So 
kind of and even when you have one writer doing both a solo title and a team title involving that character mm -hmm. they still rarely take advantage of that mm -hmm. i mean there are some really big exceptions like the recent thor war of the realms or whatever that was in the avengers and it was in thor um but usually you'll have just like occasional nods to the solo stuff but not actually incorporate the solo stuff into the team and vice versa because i I didn't collect Avengers for the longest time. I just was exclusively Captain America. Never once did I feel like I was missing something. They didn't right. hardly ever cross over or reference anything he was doing in Avengers. So I don't solo know if that's on purpose or what. rarely reference teams and teams rarely reference solos. And mm -hmm. it's, it's just kind of weird. But yeah, uh, I just thought it was interesting. This is... Yeah. So basically, this is doing, Marvel's doing something unusual with the Fantastic Four and the X Men, and now the Avengers. It's it's different than what's been done before. Well, it's like they're trying to turn the Avengers into the X Men and Fantastic Four by not making it an all star cast, but uh, uh and now they have the freedom to do whatever they want to with these characters. Uh huh. I mean, literally, with the X Men, they could kill Beast tomorrow. Sure. You know, or they could have the thing leave the team, and it wouldn't matter to any other book. And the same thing with the Avengers: Wanda, Quicksilver, oh. Hawkeye, and Cap can do anything now. I just thought of a really cool storyline that they didn't do. What's that? Avengers are looking for a strong guy, and Thing just quit. Man, <gasps> wouldn't that have been oh, great? You're so right. Wouldn't that have been awesome? Just for maybe five issues or something, even. Just have you Thing on the cool? Avengers. Like, you only get that idea because we're reading these things in the order they came out. Right. Like, if you read the Fantastic Four, you get to 40, you don't think, go join the Avengers. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you do, but yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I love that. Yeah, too bad. Too bad. Too bad. All right. Speaking Is of Avengers, time? speaking of solo guys that aren't ever on teams until recently. <laughs> until recently. Well, it's been like 15 years now. Recently. I know. Recently for me, because everything goes so fast and I don't read any of it, but. Right. The Green Goblin is back, kids, and Amazing oh, Spider-Man no. 26. The mystery of the man in the Crime Master's mask. Both the Crime Master and the Green Goblin know each other's true identities, but what strange secret is known only to Frederick Foswell? Can Spider-Man solve this dark riddle cloaked within a grim puzzle hidden beneath the shadows of a deadly enigma? Stealthily scripted by Stan Lee. Painstakingly plotted and drawn by Steve Ditko. Because Ditko wants that storytelling credit. Which he mm -hmm. deserves. Mm -hmm. Lovingly lettered by Sam Rosen. All right. So Peter Parker's like, man, should have gotten fajitas. Also, I lost my Spider-Man <laughs> suit. Uh -huh. Last issue. <laughs> I can't. Aunt May has it. I don't know where it is. Uh, I guess I'll go to sleep. Um, the Green Goblin meets with mysterious hat suit mask guy, the crime master. And they're like, okay, we've told each other who each other is. And now we're going to hold it against each other forever. So if you kill me... Everyone's going to find out who you are. Oh, yeah, well, if you kill me, everyone's going to find out who you are. Well, I guess that's how things are then. Fine. So um, the crime master goes and starts throwing little messages into gangster hideouts saying, I'm the crime master. I'm taking over your gang. And they're like, what? What's a crime master? Maybe, maybe the crime master is a good thing. Some guys at the phone call, I'm the crime master. going to blow up your car. Car blows up. Oh, no, the crime master... And Frederick Foswell in his apartment hangs up his suit in a secret closet saying, okay, that's all done. Going to go to work now at the Daily Bugle. So Peter Parker is sitting there picking his peck of pickled peppers and eating his breakfast. So Aunt May, um, Spider-Man's pretty cool, yo. You know, um, sorry I dressed up like him. <laughs> I don't suppose, you know, 
Where'd you put my costume, Aunt May? Where'd you put it? <laughs> and she's like, oh, Peter, dear, you just don't know where about that costume. We'll, we'll just pretend it never happened. He's like, okay, fine, I'll go. So he goes to Daily Bugle, and Betty Brant is still upset with him because Liz Allen and Mary Jane Watson and who knows how many other girls are trying to date Peter. And Peter's like, yeah, but what about Ned Leeds? And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. I got to be jealous second, and two's a bigger number. So mm-hmm. I win. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonah Jameson's like, okay, this is not a Lonely Hearts Club. This is not a social hour. Peter, if you have pictures, I'll take them. If not, get out of here. Frederick Foswell, come talk to me about the Crime Master. And Peter's like, okay, Frederick Foswell's a mysterious gent. I'm going to spy on him with a spider tracer in the band of his hat. He goes to school and Flash is like, oh, you're a doofus. And Peter's like, I want to beat you up for calling me a doofus. And he beats up Flash Thompson. The principal sees it. Peter Parker just attacked Flash Thompson for no reason. And Liz Allen is like, okay, boys, stop it. Uh, you can share me, I promise. And, and Peter's like, I don't want to share you. I just want to beat up Flash Thompson. She's like, and I thought you were different. And she runs off crying. Um, Peter and Flash break it up because the principal comes out. And principal's like, Peter. My office. Now. Peter walks out of the principal's office rubbing his backside and Flash is like, oh. So he goes to the principal and says, hey, f- hey, principal, um, I kind of started the fight. And principal's like, okay, Flash son, let's go talk in my office. Uh, meanwhile, the crime master is tearing up some bad guys and J. Jonah Jameson is at his club, hanging out with his club guys. And there's this guy with Tootsie Roll hair and a green suit. He's like, hey, Frederick Foswell, he's a pretty shady character. You still got him working for you? And Jonah's like, yep, sure do. Um, Peter's like, hey, I could go and get a Spider-Man costume from the costume shop. And uh, he gets a Spider-Man costume from the costume shop. He puts it on, but his one size fits nobody. So it like rides up on his back and he webs it down. So it will stay down and not ride up on him. Uh, he goes around being Spider-Man. Green Goblin flies away from Frederick Foswell's apartment. Spider-Man goes to Frederick Foswell's apartment. He's looking around the apartment and Crime Master's like, I'm going to kill whoever's in that apartment. And, um... Peter, uh, Spider-Man Spider-Sense goes off, so he dodges the bullets, jumps away. Crime Master keeps shooting at him and um, has like smoke gas or whatever to knock him out. Uh, Spider-Man falls off the, the, uh, the roof. Um, he pulls off his mask so he can breathe with the gas. He puts his mask back on, rewebs all of his costume to keep it from riding up. Uh, he goes to Jonah to try to get his costume back, and Jonah's like, huh, I gave it to that guy Spencer Smythe. He's playing with it with a Spider-Man robot. And um, so then Spider-Man goes to Frederick Foswell's apartment. It's like, huh, Frederick Foswell, he's a shady gent. I think I'll go, oh, look, he's got this one place circled on a map. That's where the warehouse is down on the waterfront. Meanwhile, Crime Master is asking all the bad guys to come meet him at the warehouse down by the waterfront. And Shady Stool Pigeon Patch calls the police and says, hey, there's going to be a meeting at the warehouse down on the waterfront. So the police head out to the warehouse down on the waterfront. And so does Spider-Man. And Green Goblin's there and Crime Master's there and they start shooting at each other. And Spider-Man's there watching it all happen. And Green Goblin's like, hey, it's Spider-Man. And he goes and knocks Spider-Man on the back of the head, throws a pumpkin bomb at him and knocks him out. Tries to pull his mask off, but he can't get it because it's all webbed onto him because it keeps riding up. Meanwhile, Crime Master goes into the, the warehouse house down on the waterfront is like hey everyone glad you could make it i am the crime master there's cookies and coffee in the back don't drink the decaf that's for larry 
And Green Goblin's like, okay, but you can't take over the mob because I have Spider-Man dead in my hands. You're going to have the shortest reign on record. And also my ears are super huge. Next issue, the secret of Frederick Foswell will be revealed as you thrill to one of the greatest battle royals of all time. Wouldn't that be Battles Royal? So join us again for Spider-Man 27 and don't forget your webbing. The end. You are so wrong. Why? Because 25 cannot possibly be the peak of Ditko's run because this issue is way better. (laughs) (laughs) So at least it has to be this issue that's the peak. You're right. This is a really good issue. It is. Um, I forgot how good this two-parter was. Yeah. This this is a really really solid issue. Mm -hmm. Um, I... When I think of less stellar Ditko stories, they start with 28. Mm. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, they're coming, but but 26 and 27, at least 26 was, you're right, a very, very fun. Even that splash page is a really simple splash page design with lots of negative space, uh-huh. but I found it oddly effective. It's yellow for the yellow fans out there. It is very yellow. And we don't know who these two guys are. So it's just we- more interesting if you think about it that way. And they're teasing Frederick Foswell off both. Mm-hmm. They are. Like, they tease he's the Green Goblin. They tease he's the Crime Master. Now, he was somebody. He was... The big man. The big man, right. So we know that at some point he was villainous. So he could be so villainous So it makes sense again. that somebody in Jonah's club might be wondering about Frederick Foswell, because he was a crime boss at one point. And we never do find out why Jonah hired him, do we? Uh, honestly, I feel like it's just being willing to give a guy another chance. Yeah. Which is really weird, because, again, I say it for the people in the back. Frederick Foswell was a crime boss. <laughs> but he also worked but, at the know, Bugle. And let's boy let him could, be a Bugle boy again. Boy, could he file. We really miss that about him. So Yeah, the reporting skills like nothing else. And honestly, I'm jealous of his mustache. Yeah. Um, I like all the costume stuff. That was really fun. And a carryover from last issue. Um, like last issue, it was kind of convenient. Like he actually, he made another one so that he could get away with that little trick he did. But then it turned out not to be convenient because now he doesn't have either. So that and was kind of funny. The 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 continued story elements in Spider-Man don't usually feel like dramatic cliffhangers with resolutions the next issue. They just feel like stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And then we have to deal with the consequences of that stuff in the next issue like normal. Which is ultimately how most comic books end up being. And I'm just amazed that they continue to do this with Spider-Man and nobody else still as we read all yeah. these. As we read these. We're getting more continuations than ever before for sure. But yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, they kind of wrap up. And there's no, like, subplots like Flash Thompson and Liz and Betty and, like, in, in Thor or Iron Man. Oh, well, I guess there is an Iron Man a little bit. But it's just not the same. So I don't know if that's because they just don't have Ditko on every book or if they haven't realized that they could do this to every book. And this is, like, this is less adventure serial and more soap opera. Mm-hmm. Um, Doctor Strange is having a continued story, but... I don't know. That does feel more like a serial, even though it's not like cliffhanger at the end of each episode. It does feel like we are on one long story and instead of a bunch of little yeah. stories with subplots. But he's com- he is like the opposite of Peter in that he's completely devoid of a personal life. Oh, that's true. Like he has no – he doesn't even have like the girlfriend to pine over or anything. Even, no. though, even though those are just throwaway characters that have no agency. But like he doesn't even have that. He has nothing going on. No family himself. members, nothing. Yeah. Not even Wong. Well, sort of. He's there. He just rarely even gets named. Um, (laughs) Right. I do love kind of the WTF attitudes of the criminals because they get this ridiculous note with a ridiculous name signed. And they're like, what's a crime master? (laughs) Do you think it's odd that the Green Goblin revealed his identity to somebody? Like, 
seems I like do. something he wouldn't do. Do you think he lied? Oh, uh, that's that's conceivable. He seems really invested in the lie if he lied, like even when he's like in his own thoughts. That's, oh, yeah, that's true. So he probably didn't lie. I was just kind of surprised. I'd, I'd by have that. to, th- I'd have to think that even though we're not privy to it, there is a relationship between the person in the Crime Master's mask and the Green Goblin's personal life. Like there's there's something going on there, even though we never saw it. And I know that we um, that the uh, what's it called? What's it called? The Untold Tales of Spider Man series. Even though its intersections with this book are basically wrapping up, I do think they dealt with the Crime Master. So they may have helped to kind of give this a little bit of background, but I have never read that series. So mm, okay. Maybe, you know what I'm talking about? Maybe someone can write in and tell us if it does. Yeah. Or Did you, you ever read that in the 90s when the Clone Saga was going on? They had the Untold Tales? Uh, I think I was on my way out at that point. but Okay. I never read it either. I, I didn't read much of the Clone, War- Clone Saga either. Um, Betty Brant has arched her eyebrows and Ditko <laughs> has decided that this is how he's going to draw women now. <sighs> Poor Betty. Like, why, why don't they just give up? Seriously, all they do is fight. Like, they have no fun. Just forget and it's it. hard to have any sympathy for Betty now. It's like, she might have a little bit of a point with Liz, but there is seriously the Ned Leeds stuff going on. And Peter has a right to be upset about that. And Betty has just gone off on presumption and coincidental stuff. Maybe it's a bit too much coincidental stuff, but still. Well, we don't know that she's writing romantic letters to Ned Leeds, though. Uh, have you read them? <laughs> no, no, I haven't. <laughs> Neither has he. So, <laughs> and meanwhile, he's at Liz's house all the time. So I don't know. I don't know what his relationship with Liz is either, or Betty at this you know, point. That's they, true. His yeah, he, he may have enough contact with Liz that Betty is aware of that it might be like. What is going on with you and that woman? Well, she you comes say up, there's nothing, but She seriously. comes up and touches his face and calls him Peter, sweetie, and combs his hair, and he lets her. So, like, I don't know. If right. someone did that to you in front of your wife, would that be fine? Seems weird. It does seem a little weird. Yeah. Jonah's the only one fully in the right in that argument, though. Yeah, get out. This isn't a place of romance. Yeah. Right. Uh, Peter tackles not just the Flash, but he, the Flash, but also, uh, like, three of his friends. So, it's a good thing it got broken up, because he was about to... Really reveal something there? Yeah. I'm so strong. I might be Spider-Man. <laughs> I just threw all four of you off the ground. But I felt uh, it was so relatable. Like, the one time you fight back is the one time you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. Of course. Great, great character beat, though, of uh, Flash owning up to his responsibility in it, though. I don't know. I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, it's nice that honestly, he's... I, I, yeah. It's nice that he's what? I was just going to say, it's nice that he's become sort of like a one-note character whereas before mm-hmm. i felt like there was a little more nuance to him like it sometimes he seemed like he was trying to be friends and now he's not at all because of this liz thing but i like right here that he actually had a you know some goodness in him a little bit right so liz runs away saying i thought you were different mm-hmm. and this reminds me that we are actually getting very close to a major turning point for liz allen in this comic okay um so it's not really directly related to this, but just kind of this emotional beat for her where she's, I don't know, really frustrated with Peter and her, her, maybe she's really frustrated with her unrequited love for him or something or crush or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But yeah, she's, um, well, he's being a tool too. And like trying to get all physical and violent and she doesn't like that about flash. So why would she like that about him? It's true. She looks up to him in a different way and doesn't want him to act like a child, I guess. And did you notice that we had a black character with a speaking line? No. Where? Page seven, bottom row. That's supposed to be a black character? In the green suit? Yeah. I look just like Shadow or something. 
Because <laughs> oh. like, they don't, they're still doing the gray thing. It just looks weird. Yeah, I, I took the gray as, as, as a black guy. He looks blonde, though. I don't know. His hair does look a little little on the light side. I don't know. I, I took... Okay. We'll, I like to pretend it's a black guy. We'll give it to him. <laughs> we'll else. give it to him. They've, he's got a black teacher think, that speaks. Honestly, I think this is like the second time besides Gabe Jones that a black person has talked in a Marvel comic. Mm. Well, wait till we get to the 70s. Yeah, well, it's just like, why... why, why I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, Jonah's Club. Uh-huh. Again. No coincidence that this club is only showing up in Green Goblin stories. Uh-huh. Yeah, This is it a is. deliberate choice on Ditko's part. Yeah, that is the only time he showed up, or he goes to this thing, isn't it? It always seems kind of random, but yep. I guess it's not. It's the, it's the like, let's go and be manly men in a manly man room it's the, with our cigars it's, and our newspapers. It's that bald guy in the green suit. I bet. Yeah, the bald guy. Yeah, he's important. Uh, I like that the costume that he bought didn't fit, because at first it seemed like they were just going to let it fit, and I was like, oh, come on, that's baloney. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't. It was funny. I liked how he had to web himself up. Oh, again, convenient that he gets knocked out and they can't take his mask off, but still, also fun. And the guy tries to sell a Frankenstein suit because the <laughs> Hammer Frankenstein film had just come out a few months earlier. And they're with, like, uh, Peter Cushing is the doctor. They're like, you know, we don't really have a lot of call for this Spider Man outfit. <laughs> yeah, they like, start throwing yeah. some real sass back and forth at each other. I can let you have it cheap. There's not much call for it lately. Oh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the whole stuff with Goblin and the Crime Master and Foswell, they're, they're really laying it on thick uh-huh. and I think it's kind of fun. Uh-huh. I don't remember my thoughts when I first read this story, mm-hmm. um, how much I wondered who Foswell was in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't also, I also actually don't know what you know and what you don't know. I know that Green Goblin is not Foswell. That's all I know. Yes. And what's funny is, as you were summarizing this, I suddenly reframed my brain to realize that we're not even supposed to know who Green Goblin is. So this really makes it a very interesting tale. This whole scene where, like, Goblin's leaving Foswell's apartment and the crime master's there. And it's like, boy, it could be either of them. Right. That's pretty cool. I wasn't thinking about it that way. we see the Green Goblin's face in this issue, but there's nothing in the story to even point that direction. Right. It's just the artist is deliberately putting him in there. Mm-hmm. So it's just a cool way to uh, add more confusion and guessing. We will be seeing more of Patch the Stool Pigeon. He's a character for a while. He's not Wolverine. <laughs> he looks like Wolverine Light, kind of, yeah. Patch the Stool Pigeon, on loan from Madripoor. <laughs> He's Wolverine if Wolverine had no powers. <laughs> That's how Wolverine would have ended up. <laughs> and a bit of a jowl going on there. He's got some lips. Yeah, um, Yeah. I mean, the... The story is really interesting going through the ending there. There's some yeah. nice action, some nice back and forth. Violent knockout. And I, yeah. 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 That was cool. I thought that having him webbing up his costume all the time and then Green Goblin trying to pull his mask off and unable to because of the webs. Uh-huh. I just thought that was some really neat plotting. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It lets, it lets them knock him out and explain why he can't get his identity at the same time. It's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He ought to do that all the time. So you're right, this might be more of a height than 25 yeah, was. A, that that Betty and Liz scene in 25 kills me every time. This feels like the most cliffhangery cliffhanger we've ever had. Because Spider-Man's, Spider-Man's dead. He's dead in Goblin's arms, and they're fighting over who's going to take over the, the bad guys. So pretty epic. Yeah. Just like those ears. 
the goblins yeah. heights goblins ears reach new heights of grandeur in the mighty marvel fashion this is why hobgoblin's cooler but hey what do i know okay what do you know that's the end of the month oh my gosh april in the can which means so he's got to open the can which means we've got to review the can before we close it and decide what's the best thing in it and the worst thing in it or at the very least, what we enjoyed the most and the least. That's a better way to put it. Because there's no fact in this opinion thing. Right. Um, all right. So you want to run them down or should I run them down? Uh, I'll do it. Sure. We got what we covered tonight, Amazing Spider-Man 26 with the whole Goblin Crime Master thing. We've got uh, Avengers 17 with the Minotaur tour thing. And we got uh, the Fantastic Four Fighting Doom with the help of Daredevil thing. We also have Daredevil in his own book, fighting his greatest villain of all time, the Stilt Man in Daredevil number eight. We have uh, Thor fighting in Vietnam in Journey to Mystery number 117. We have Sergeant Fury looking for revenge in number 19. And we have the Watcher sending a uh, human torch and thing on a mission to the past to fight Kang in Strange Tales number 134. Uh, we also have... Iron Man fighting the Dream Master and Captain America being brainwashed by the Red Skull in Tales of Suspense 67. And lastly, we have the leader or the Hulk confronting the leader for the first time in Giant Man's second round and last round, really, with uh, 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 the spinning top whirler guy. Tales to Astonish <laughs> number 69. The Twister? What the hell's his name? The Human Top. Human Top. I think the three I guessed were better than the human top. But anyway. So it's months like this that I wish we had tiers. Yeah. Like levels. Uh-huh. Because, I mean, there's there's definitely some solid stuff this month. Well, you know, these are our, our rules. So we could have tiers if that's what you want to do. <laughs> we're <laughs> just making really. this up as just, we go along. But there there are lots of honorable mentions this month. Uh-huh. Um. I feel like the least is going to go to one of the ones that always gets the least, and the most is going to go to one of the ones that always gets the most, because that's where my enjoyment lies. <sighs> yeah, it's going to be Spider-Man in Strange Tales again, you mean? Essentially. <laughs> or be. Giant Man, Tales to Astonish. Or Giant Man. Boy, actually, I'm not sure between those two, honestly. But the other thing is, I really enjoyed Captain America this month, you know, with the whole Bucky being a badass thing and all that, but... It's true. It's also just like a half issue, so it almost feels unfair to compare it to like Spider-Man or Fantastic Four or something because it's like ten pages. It can win. Yeah, it can. Just not as epic somehow. But yeah, I don't know. You go first. I can't figure it out. (laughs) I was gonna look back at my notes Uh for Strange Tales 134 to see what I thought about it, and um, I didn't write anything down for that one. (laughs) So that's what you thought about it. Yeah, so I just kind of played that one on the fly, I think, as we were talking about it. Um, Giant Man wouldn't shrink down whenever he should have done. They didn't remind us that he actually had lost some of his shrinking powers. Um, He leaves at the end. And the the Human Torch. Yeah. The Watcher sends the the Human Torch and the Thing back in time to fight Kang. Oh, that be... You know, I actually did kind of like... It wasn't a very good Kang story, but I thought it was a pretty decent Torch and Things story. Um, we kind of tore it up a little bit, but I remember as I was reading it, I kind of ha- was having fun with it more so than I think maybe with Giant Man. Right. Well, because it has Kang, um, at least. The Avengers is not a bottom tier, but it is uh, you know, the lower end of the mid tier. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's, that's not a fact. No, I liked Daredevil more than the Avengers. I did. Stiltman. I did too. Stiltman beat the Avengers this month. Mm-hmm. And Thor also to um, me is just kind of ho-hum. It's okay, but whatever. And I want to be enjoying Hulk more. I'm not disliking it, mm-hmm. but I'm not loving it. I want to be like I want to be liking Hulk more than I am. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of Doctor Strange like in that it just keeps going and going and going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only Doctor Which Strange is a little more set that up for. Yeah. And I don't remember Thor. I'm looking at the cover. Vietnam. The blaze of he has to find. Oh, that's right. He's searching for the stones. He's searching for Vietnam. the stones, and he comes across a family, and then that family kills everybody but the one girl, and like. He beats everybody up and flies away with her, essentially. It was, it was eh, all right. It was all right. It was all right. Um, and Sergeant Fury was his blazing revenge plan to go and kill the guy who killed mm-hmm. Pamela, which I actually rather enjoy, but it's not what yeah. I'm going to pick for top. Yeah, we never pick them for top. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a good we issue. We have like, a category. Favorite war issue of the month. <laughs> goes to Patsy Walker. Oh. So... I think it's going to be Spider-Man. Yeah. How because Reed be? Richards is not a nice guy. But the rest of it, there was a lot of good in the Fantastic Four. It's a pretty close call this time. For me, the close call is Tales of Spence or Spider-Man and possibly Fantastic Four. But I think the solution to Fantastic Four is what hurts it. It's just a little, huh, you know? Though I really did like the things fight with Doom a lot. Uh, and Cap is cool, but it just like it's just kind of like it seems like a little tiny glimpse of a story because it's just continued and short. So I'm gonna say Spider-Man Two is my favorite, and I'm gonna pick Giant Man for my least favorite because if anything else, the watch being the wasp being disabled because the bad guy holds her wrist just like infuriated me the entire story. So yeah, so forget that yeah. nonsense. So I think the last Giant Man story is going to be the also least enjoyed story of the month for <laughs> hey, both of us. Hey, we agreed again. This, guy's, yeah, this, this keeps happening. happening. All right. Well, All I right. guess that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah. So if you guys want to know what to read for next time, we're going to have Strange Tales 135, which is more Doctor Strange, but also the debut of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., so that was fun. Got X-Men number 12, also a debut of this guy called the Juggernaut. And Journey into Mystery 118, another debut of some bad guy named the Destroyer. So those are our three, full of debuts for next time, yeah. if you want to read along. All right. And um, we have had a couple of follows over on the Twitter. Amanda at a Jacoby 97. Thank you for following us, Amanda and chip Flanagan, just a nerdy nerd making his way in this big, crazy world of ours uh, at Flanagan chip. So thank you for following us on Twitter. We always appreciate retweets of our new episodes. And um, we do have specific definite plans to record a feedback episode. <laughs> yes. So if you have been thinking about writing, do write. Because yeah. now that we've kind of got our lead time got, uh, built back up again, we're going to start making those a relatively frequent occurrence again until we can bleed out the inbox. Yeah. I mean, we can't possibly so, be saying everything right. So someone should be writing in to tell us all the wrong things we're saying. I feel like that needs to happen more. Yeah. Please correct us or, you know, add to what we're talking about that we've overlooked or something. Because we haven't read everything. There's got to be stuff out there that supports these these issues we're talking about. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you know other continuity that goes in between everything, then feel free to let us know. Mm-hmm. Um, how can they let us know? What, what can they do? Wow. What a great segue. They can let us know by writing to podcast at makearsmarvel.com 
Or if you're driving around and don't want to write that down, just when you get home, go to makearsmarvel.com. There'll be a contact form there. You can just fill that out and it works the same. And while you're there, you can follow uh, all the links to the various places you can play our podcast, which should be everywhere, or just type Make Ours Marvel into your favorite podcast app. And also while you're there on the website, you can follow our links to social media where we appreciate all follows and retweets and try and, you know, give you props on the show when you do that. So until the man under the Crime Master's mask turns out to be a woman, Make Ours Marvel. Marvel.